I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we have special guest with us Jason Brooks, who played Jason in the fan film Friday the 13th Vengeance, that also stars CJ Cram, who played Jason in Jason Lives. Jason Brooks is here to talk about playing Jason and the sequel, Friday the 13th, Vengeance 2, Bloodlines. All that and more today on High on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. Now it's time for Screaming Room. So actually, we were surprised this week, and uh, Shudder sent us more episodes of Slasher, Flesh and Blood. Uh, so this week, episode five, Family Ties. And I gotta say, it just feels like week after week, it's the same story. It's just this family is dicks to each other, and somebody's gone. Like, the depths that they'll go to, the lows that they'll sink to are like more and more like what the fuck each week like these guys have no morals whatsoever and like i mean i've heard the term eye for an eye and like what ends up happening in this episode i mean she even voices it but it's not an equivalent i don't get i don't get the point on that one from her but i mean but the thing is each week you're like well i mean they can't get any worse to each other but somehow they find a way and I gotta say that that was the most hateful game of taintball that I have ever seen on film. Taintball. <laughs> oh, I meant to say paintball. <laughs> Hold on. That was the. That was. The... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, that was the most hateful game of taintball. Of God damn. That was the most hateful game of paintball that I have ever seen on film. Josh, I don't know how much of this you're going to keep, but that that was the most hateful game of paintball that I have ever seen on film. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen more violence come out of a game of paintball than this. And another thing, dude, uh, Spencer like had the way that every time the competition advances how he pops up on a screen some pre-recorded video that was recorded like from before his death how this was all like part of his plan i just think like it, it's just total jigsaw shit to me the way he, like the video pops up right after an event with like a message for like the next step yeah it's definitely each week it definitely has that saw feel to it and i gotta say spencer each week just when it shows flashbacks to him talking to somebody he just gets more and more savage with each of the people that he talks to it's crazy yeah every week that motherfucker like cuts to the bone with words like he just says shit that just just humiliates you just makes you feel like you're absolutely nothing like i am demeaned hearing him talk to these people it's it's insane uh, i want to say though um, y'all will, you know, see this uh, episode this coming Thursday. And, uh, once you see the end of the episode, you all, you will understand my reference, but trust me when I say that John and I were smoking blunts and we're coughing harder than the people in this show. 
that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so uh, next week we'll get to episode six, and uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how this is all gonna gonna wrap up here over the last couple episodes. Where I mean, we're past the halfway point now. Agreed, agreed, and that's what's crazy because it's getting. It's getting like deeper, and it's on purpose. Obviously, it's good writing, but it gets deeper and deeper every week. Where, where you know, we're at the point where we have three episodes left now, and it's like, how much more shit can hit the fan? You know what, man? I'm ready to get baked. Uh, well, more baked anyway. Let's get into strain wreck. Now it's time for strain wreck, the segment where John and I discuss which strain. We're getting wrecked on in each episode. Today, we're smoking Razorfish Runts. It's a hybrid that tastes kind of like fruit. It's a little fruit, a little earthy. Uh, It has long-lasting effects of euphoria and being uplifted. John, look at it and smell it. Look at it and smell it. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm probably canceled now. But uh, hold on here. Okay, first off, this bag here, I got a, I don't know what kind of shark. It's wild looking, right? I I don't know what kind of shark. I guess it's supposed to be a great white. It's hard to tell with all these colors. But uh, he is, uh, it looks like a person with a great white shark head playing guitar. And some random, random dude's face very tiny in the left hand (laughs) corner of the bag. I'm not quite sure about that. Let me look at that. I don't know. I, I, I want to see if I can recognize the dude's face. Hold on. <laughs> I have dude, no it's idea. just some random dude in a, in a fucking skunk I have skunk no idea cap. who the hell that is. I have no idea who the hell that is, man. I don't know. That's pretty funny. I didn't even notice that. All I noticed before was the shark. Kind of looks like a Wish version of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> or Shia LaBeouf now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, none of this has had really anything to do about, uh, <laughs> the strain that we're smoking, but, uh, yeah, I put it back, put it back in there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even going to touch that one. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's definitely light in color. Um, definitely has that fruity, fruity, uh, like sweeter smell to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's smoke that shit. Yeah, man. I'm going to spark us up. What's going on this week in horror history? This week in horror history. So released today, August 30th, 1991, we have Child's Play 3. Uh, it's definitely not on the level with the first two. Um, it's, it's okay. I'd say it's about on par with Bride, which is an okay Chucky movie. It, I mean, they, it takes place... Um, I think it's eight years, I believe, after Child's Play 2. So they aged up Andy, which, again, we've talked about this. I think they should have just stuck with with Alex Vincent. Um, I know you're not a big fan of the third one. I, I think it's an okay Chucky. There's definitely some some memorable Chucky lines in it. But uh, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, first of all... Uh... I'm just going to put this out there. I thought I used to have a crush on De Silva as a kid, like growing up watching the movie. I always thought that she was a babe. Uh, so I'll start with saying that. Um, but uh, that was actually like the, the thing that I remember the most about the movie. It was like, damn, that chick's pretty. <laughs> but uh, no, and then she ended up in Honorage. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, actually, I'm not a big fan of three. Three is fun to watch for me in, in the sense that 
the bad Friday the 13th films or the bad Halloween sequels are fun to watch. It's a fun watch, but in, in terms of like a good movie, not a fan. I do. I like Bride more. I think the only movie that I like least or less than it, I mean, is probably Seed. It's right, like it's right above Seed for me. Well, I I wouldn't put it that low. I I I don't enjoy Seed at all. Um, I have three and Bride right around the same. Um, I will say my favorite Chucky kill. It's not even him making the kill. Is <laughs> when uh. Was it Cochran, I think was his name? The older the older guy was in charge of the military yep, yep. institute. Colonel, Colonel Cochran, yep. Yeah, he yep. has played he by uh, Dak and Matthews. Yeah, he has that heart attack and falls through the table and then Chucky's pissed because he didn't get to kill him. That's that's one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah, that that is that's one of the that is one of the better scenes. Um this movie was directed by Jack Bender, and the thing is, uh Jack Bender is was before this film and since this film, Ben primarily a TV director. He does episodes of shows. So I think, you know, no disrespect to him, but I think that that was, I don't know what the story is behind Child's Play 3, but I feel that it was probably a rush job. They wanted to get it out, and they just gave it to any dude that was willing to take the script and direct it. I don't feel that, I feel that the production quality drops, the direction drops. Uh, I don't mean any disrespect to, to Jack Bender. Sorry. I just, you know, I think that uh, that's part of it. I think they gave the movie to a TV director, and he made a feature film, and I don't think it worked out that well. Oh uh, well, I mean, it was it was definitely a rush job. Um, yeah, I, you and I are we're definitely apart on our like of it. Like I, you're more I can tolerate the, it. I like it. I just you're I, I'm more not on like the dislike, you know. and I'm more on the. It's an okay Chucky movie, and I enjoy it. I mean, I don't watch it near as much as I watch the original or two. And uh, actually, this movie. Um, ended up becoming a legal case um there were 10 year olds who had committed a murder and they tried to blame it on the chucky movie and the one kid said that his father had rented it and the psychologist said there was a tie and then like come to find out the kid wasn't even like living with his father at the time and uh, it's still apparently very controversial in europe both sky television and the uk and uh canal plus i'm probably canal plus i'm probably mispronouncing that in spain they both refuse to broadcast the film as a regular programming child's play three why because of those ties with that like i mean there's no ties to it but the kid had tried to blame the murder be because of that murder that's why it's still, still like a controversial film i mean i get that it's controversial and i don't think that you know murder or anything is funny like that but that's like us like that's like the u.s like banning dexter because of the show dexter because somebody like committed a murder and tried to say that the show made them do it like that's like i think that that's just uh, i don't know i don't i don't agree with that yeah i mean everything the boy had said like even apparently he said uh it was found out that he didn't even like horror movies and he didn't like watching them and so the cops ended up finding no no connection but uh for some reason uh those two uh channels over in europe uh won't show it I mean, you might not show just because you dislike it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's crazy to me. I didn't know that. I did not know that. So, uh, of all of all the movies, of all the Child's Play movies, you have Chucky with a with a fucking turkey baster full of jizz, and you know, see to Chucky, and you know, you have all this like, <laughs> you have all this other stuff. 
you know, and, and Child's Play 3 gets banned because of, I mean, I guess, I guess if it's that serious of an issue, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I don't know. I just think that you're just drawing more attention to the incident and the negativity by allowing it to like censor something or stop it from being played. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, typically Europe has been, uh, I'd say quicker than the U S to ban, ban stuff with violence where it seems like more the U S is more for banning stuff that involves sex. It's kind of the opposite with Europe in a lot of cases. And uh, I think now uh, we could move on to Puff Puff Ask. I'll start us off here with a question from Jeff from Salt Lake City, Utah. He asks... What are some good horror movies on Netflix to watch? Man, that is like that is like the most impossible question ever. Uh I'm going to be honest, I stopped I I I haven't watched Netflix or used Netflix in a long time. Honestly, I I just pay for it for my wife and kid to use it. Uh the last movies that I, there's nothing on there that appeals to me, honestly. Uh the the last movies that I watched on there were the Fear Street trilogy because that was getting a lot of buzz and I was uh, wasn't impressed. Uh, it's just not my thing. Uh, Netflix is Netflix is there, there's a reason that Netflix is notorious for having bad horror films because because it's true. I don't mean to bash Netflix, but that's just just the truth. I mean everybody knows that they need to up their horror game a lot. I actually bounce a lot between Amazon Prime, uh, Prime Video, and Shutter. Uh, those are prob. Those are the two that I use the most. Um, what well, one doesn't have, the other one usually does. So, um, that's my answer. But in regards to Netflix, uh, what what to watch on Netflix? Uh, definitely check out the old ways. Uh, the old ways just hit Netflix. It's a new film. It's directed by Christopher Allender, and it is a great Mexican possession film. That movie is a great movie. We got to watch that before it actually hit Netflix, and. I'm kind of shocked that it even is going to Netflix. It's it's way above the pay grade of what you'd expect of a horror film on Netflix. John, what's up? Yeah, I I have to agree. It's awesome, and uh, well, we'll have a review for that. Uh, uh, we'll have a review for you guys soon out on that. Um, as for another movie, it's on Netflix. Um, both Creep and Creep Two with Mark Duplass are phenomenal movies. Actually, uh, our buddy uh, Raz had recommended those to me and I checked them out. I'm, I'm hoping they make a third one. I've, I've been hearing for a while they were working on a third one that Mark stopped working on it. But I mean, I love the first one. And then the second one came out and I didn't think they could do the same concept um, again and make it work. And they really did. I, for anybody that hasn't, hasn't seen it. Um, Mark Duplass plays uh, a guy named Joseph and he hires a videographer named Aaron and he wants him to um, record his final days. He has an inoperable brain tumor. And he has a pregnant wife. And he wants to make this video uh, for his unborn child. But the more that uh, Aaron, who's uh, played by Patrick Bryce, is there, it's just the weirder it gets. Um, it's really hard to explain it. You just have to check it out. And I can't recommend both of those enough. I, I actually love the creep films. I do actually. That's a, a good, good. Uh, that's good that they're on there because those are quality films. I would agree with that. Creep one and two are really good films. And also, uh, Duplass's real life spouse, 
uh, Katie Alston, uh, who both of those were actually on the league. I know, Drew, you haven't seen the league, but uh, that is a great TV show by FX. Uh, she has an uncredited uh, appearance as the voice of Angela. And for our second question, Daryl from Stone Mountain, Georgia, wanted to know if there's any horror movies out there that the consensus is it's a bad movie, but we just really enjoy it. And I, I'd all, first off, it feels like when it first came out, a lot of people uh, seem to like it, and then it seems like everybody's kind of turned on it. It's become a bad movie now for some reason. But I really like It Follows. I feel like it's a great tribute to the 80s. It has that music to it. It's a it's an interesting concept. And that fucking old lady walking across the school is creepy as fuck. Yeah, I agree. Creepy as hell. Definitely the creepiest of the... Uh, of the people i guess you'd say that it that it that it turns into yeah but that's one for me um that it just seems like a lot of people don't like now but i i think it's a solid entry i i 100 agree and to follow that up i'm going to go with you on that another movie that seemed to get great reviews when it came out but now that it's hit the masses it seems that like everybody's bitching and complaining about it is the babadook I thought the Babadook was an amazing film. It's very, it is artsy, but it is very deep, and it, it's so story driven, and the acting is incredible, and like you know the whole, the whole you know, metaphor of of, of not a metaphor, but just the situation of it being the mom who's writing the book, who's you know kind of targeting her kids subconsciously because of you know like everything that's going on with the dad dying and the stress that she's going through and the resentment that she feels that is a deep story that is so much deeper and so well played out compared to other films that like you see that are just like cheap slasher movies man i get it i like slashers too but the babadook is a good fucking movie and uh uh also um ari aster's hereditary and midsummer those are great movies yet but you know they got great reviews and then all you see is people like you know complaining i just think that a lot of typical people the typical the 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 uninitiated uh movie viewer or movie watcher i feel that they're just uh they are not up for thinking people's movies it's just anything that you have to put thought into oh hereditary wasn't explained to me like right away it wasn't spelled out for me so it sucked you know, and it's like, that's, I, that's if you're going to watch movies like that, you're always going to think that good movies are bad. I'm sorry. Let's just say it. I think that goes back also to the slow burner thing with uh, Hereditary that we talked about before. Yep. Uh, the end of that movie is intense. I'll say it again. Like, yeah, you it's could, crazy. You could say the buildup is slow all you want, but go ahead and tell me that the last 20 minutes of that movie are not fucking nuts. Yeah, I'd rather watch that movie than burn for me. <laughs> you mean bleed for me bleed for me oh my god i said burn for me yeah this looks so bad you didn't even know the I name wanted of to, it i wanted to burn myself after watching it <laughs> all right i shouldn't shit on it too much <laughs> uh yeah i think we're done here um <laughs> don't forget to write in your questions to us on instagram and facebook and twitter at high on horror 420 or email us at high on horror 420 at gmail.com uh, like we said last week, the messages have been blowing up. Uh, we're getting a, it's, it's hard to shift through and sort through these questions. Uh, but we appreciate the love. We're glad that this podcast is taking off. Thank you all so much for the support. Please write us. Uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. Um, all right, let's get into our review slash discussion of this week's film, Friday the 13th vengeance.
Friday the 13th Vengeance takes place about 30 years after Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. You know, the best one in the series. The story begins with Elias Voorhees, Jason's father, played by Part 6's Jason, C.J. Graham, returning to Crystal Lake and a whole bunch of murders that soon follow his arrival. After hearing the news of the most recent killings, Tommy Jarvis then goes missing which leaves it up to his daughter, Angelica Jarvis, played by Kelly Tappan, to rise to the challenge of not only finding her father, but also finding a way to murk his old nemesis, Jason Voorhees, played by today's guest, Jason Brooks, in the process. Once again, it comes down to Jarvis versus Voorhees. Well said. That was well said, man. This movie plays out like a continuation of Jason Lives and completely ignores uh, Part 7, The New Blood. Uh, it kind of does like a Halloween 2018 thing where it kind of takes the, picks up like in, a, in the middle of a storyline and just takes the film in an alternate direction. How do you feel about that? I mean, I love Friday the 13th part six. So I love this and the other one, uh, the never hike in the snow films. I mean, anything I can get more part six, I'm all about. I agree. I think it was well done. And I, you know, it's not like the new blood hasn't happened now that this happened it's like you can't watch both so it's like you kind of got two paths two timelines going on now and like i'm kind of i'm still going to always enjoy the new blood but now we get to enjoy like an alternate universe or an alternate timeline even that's pretty sweet um the kills are fucking brutal dude let's talk about that yeah i mean i love the kills um i just wish that there was more on-screen killing but i mean i can understand the limitations of it being a fan film uh but i mean it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's got a big body total. Yeah, what what you see on screen is awesome, though. Like, you know, there's yeah. a lot of off screen, but what you do see is awesome. And uh, Jason is a mean man in this one, man. He is a bad mofo. Like, he is intense, and he is just kicking ass and taking names. Like, this is one of the most violent, if not, yeah, honestly, honestly, if not, this might be the most violent, especially the pickaxe scene. This might be the most violent Jason Voorhees we've ever seen. Jason Brooks does a great job of being a continuation of C.J. Graham's Jason from Part 6. Just just pure strength, just pure violence. He does a great job. And, uh, yeah, I don't think they could have that they could have picked anybody better to replicate C.J. And I know C.J.'s a fan of him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, Jeremy W. Brown and uh, Dustin... Monterth, Monterth. I don't know. I'm, I know I'm I'm hack job in that name. Monterth. I'm not even gonna. You fine. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, the, uh, those guys did great job. Did a great job directing the film. And uh, I have to say that uh, every every indie film of this caliber is gonna have questionable acting or things that just aren't up to par with like a list Hollywood films. That's to be expected. But for what they had, I think that the acting was well done and i think that the cast was was pretty damn good too yeah i'd have to agree for for being a fan film i mean it has a real sleek professional look to it it doesn't look it doesn't look homemade if if, if you know what i mean like there's old like when i think of like when we were kids and people made like their home videos in their backyard yes yes it doesn't yes. look like that it looks like something that could have came out of a professional studio yeah i 100 percent agree and uh and and the makeup job on Jason just looks incredible, you know, like 100%. And, I mean, we get C.J. Graham, who was Jason. Correct. And we get Steve Dash, who was Jason. In his last film. And he has a great line. 
Now listen to me, you little fuck. I'm the real Jason. I'm the real Jason you gotta worry about in this town, and you just crossed the fucking line. <laughs> yeah, we also have a cameo by uh, Darcy the Mail Girl from uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, uh, Diane Prince. Yeah, I was gonna mention that, and she gets killed in a really cool way, and I mean, that's what makes a Jason movie, is just the kills. Yeah, it's like people want to be in a Jason movie just to be killed. I mean, I would I would take a, a death role in a Jason film. Sign me up. Uh, yeah, I mean, if any of you were listening, I mean, you could definitely kill me off in a Jason movie. Yeah, just no nudity for me. None of y'all want to see that. I mean, we're, we're, we're open to negotiate. Well, you might be. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that, though. <laughs> My wife wouldn't approve of it, even if I did want to do it. And like I said, ain't nobody want to see that. Anyway, uh... Talk about people wanting to be killed. I wish that Tom could have done this and never hike in the snow. Because, I mean, the only the only downside is Tommy Jarvis disappears. Tommy's mentioned in the movie, but we don't actually ever get to see Tommy. And, I mean, but it is nice that we do have two different movies with people from both movies making these two fan films. And both of them are good. The, kn- the Never Hike series, the Vengeance series, they're both well done. We have actors... I mean, this one has um, CJ and it has um, Tom in it. And then the Never Hike series has Vinny in it and has um, our buddy Tom, who, well, actually, we got it all figured out and he'll be on next week. So we will have Tom Matthews next week. Uh, yeah. And uh, yep, and we cannot wait to talk about Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> um, but back to it. Um, I really like how Tom McLaughlin uh, plays uh, Martin, um, the gravekeeper. You know, like, because he had mentioned, I believe, in an interview or a commentary where I'd heard that uh, he was a, a big fan of uh, Bob Larkin, the guy who played Martin the Gravekeeper. So uh, I don't know, you know, if Martin was too old to play the role or whatnot, but uh, I definitely think that that's cool for Tom to pick up the role. And uh, like you just said um, about, you know, like how both of the both of the fan film series are strong, are going strong right now. Tom McLaughlin said that to us in the interview that we had with him. Uh, he said that, you know, everything's tied up right now in that bullshit lawsuit regarding Friday the 13th and fans are tired of waiting and they're making their own. And it's like at the caliber they're going at this point, like we're going to start getting ones that are actually better than some of the Friday the 13th films. Yeah. And I mean, uh, now, now that that lawsuit is settled, uh, with, with Victor Miller and Sean, I'm, I would love to see some of the fan fan film directors like Jeremy and Dustin that you mentioned. And I mean, Jason Brooks is directing this sequel and Vicente DeSanti. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see them get a chance with an actual studio budget behind it to make a Jason movie. I mean, if they can do this with the fan films with a bigger budget, you got to figure it'd be even better. That should be all they need on their resume. If the, if if you know if, if the studios could see that these guys can make a good Jason movie on a micro budget, then give them a little bit more of a budget. I mean, we know that it's going to be a small budget anyway. You know, horror always gets the small budgets, but you know that's the way it goes. It's still going to be a bigger budget than the indie budgets that they're given. So I think yeah, give these guys a shot. Give them a real shot. There, these films can be on their resume. Now let's do a real film that goes into the Friday the Thirteenth series. Yeah, I, I I I mean, it feels like a logical choice for the studios to do that. So, I mean, I'm fully expecting them to then not do that because they don't ever really care about horror. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I just They'll man- give Michael Bay, the next Jason movie or, you know, Rob zombie, another Halloween movie. I mean, God, Rob zombie destroying two franchises. 
No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I need to stop. I need to stop egging you on. Seriously. I mean, this one you can't even get mad. You brought it up, so don't come at me for this one. You didn't have to say anything back. You could have just bit your tongue. I didn't have to, but of course I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, for those of you out there, you know, listening, definitely check out Friday the Thirteenth: Vengeance, uh, the sequel. Vengeance 2 Bloodlines is coming out soon, and we're going to talk to Jason Brooks about that here in a bit. Definitely take the time to watch this film. If you're a Friday the 13th film a fan, if you're a Friday the 13th fan, uh, that, it, it's worth your time. Absolutely. Uh, as are the Never Hike, and Al- Never Hike Alone films. And they're on YouTube, so, I mean, you don't have to pay to rent them. Yeah, I think there's some cool special editions that you can buy if you're into like Blu-rays and stuff. There's some physical copies out there, but to the common viewer, they are easily available on YouTube, readily available. And now it's time to get into Burn and Learn, the segment of our show where we fill you in on some cool behind-the-scenes facts about the movie we discuss, and in today's case, Friday the 13th, Vengeance. Oh. Hmm. Burn and Learn. Friday the 13th Vengeance was the most successful Friday the 13th Kickstarter ever. This was Steve Dash's final film. There's 44 deaths in Friday the 13th Vengeance. Seven are Elias, played by C.J. Graham, a.k.a. Jason's dad, and 37 of them are by Jason himself. Uh, Which is actually the most of any of the fan films. Uh, the license plate on Jeff's Jeep CNH320 is a homage to the television show The Dukes of Hazard. The General Lee has the same plate. Yeah, also, uh, the license plate on Jeff's Jeep is from New Jersey, and the setting of the original Friday the 13th film was in New Jersey. Dr. Cruz has a small Seattle Seahawks football helmet on the shelf in her office. The movie is shot in Seattle, but takes place in New Jersey, as does the original Friday the 13th. Sheriff Ritlotti has a Dunkin' Donuts coffee cup on his desk, if you look. Vengeance was filmed in Seattle. The original Friday the 13th is filmed in New Jersey and features vehicle license plates from the same state. Dunkin' Donuts is is very prominent in the New Jersey area, whereas Starbucks is much more prominent in Seattle. Elias uses the Necronomicon Ex Mortis to bring back Jason. Jason is called Michael Myers by the Redneck, who was also played by Jason Brooks. The sheriff, played by Steve Dash, says, We won't have a repeat of what happened at Springwood. You hear me? Oh, nice. A Nightmare on Elm Street nod. I didn't think, I don't think I caught that. Uh, Friday the 13th's own Harry Manfredini did the, uh, composed the soundtrack. Tom McLaughlin's band. The Sloths have two songs on the soundtrack, Before I Die and Never Enough Girls. All right, man, let's do this. Let's talk to Jason Brooks. Jason Brooks is an actor, director, producer, and more. Lately, he's brought new life into the iconic and legendary Jason Voorhees with a vengeance, pun intended. Welcome, Jason Brooks. Thank you for being on High on Horror. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, so let's start with the basics here. Let's start at the beginning. Um, Obviously, to make a film like this, you had to have been a fan of the series, you know, and to be involved in it. So uh, what was the first Friday the 13th film you saw, and how old were you? Um, let's see. The first one I, the first one I saw was, um, part one. And then 
I rented it from a library. I was probably 13 years old, 13, 14 years old. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the time I heard about Jason, so I was excited, got the first movie and then realized there's no Jason in it. So then uh, I was recommended part six, which was newer. So I, I jumped on that and that was my first real official Friday that I fell in love with. So. Okay, yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, part one because I was around the same age when I first saw it, and uh, that was the first one that I saw, and my mom was watching it, and I remember it was like 2.30 in the afternoon in the summer. It was broad daylight. She had the windows open. It was a beautiful day, and I saw the axe scene where, you know, the chick gets axed in the face in the bathroom, and it scared mm-hmm. the shit out of me. I was terrified. It was like broad daylight. I still think about that. I'm like, man, I was scared shitless, and it was like broad daylight. Like, I didn't even wait till the lights went out to get scared. Oh. <laughs> um, well, uh, so obviously uh, part six, you'd say part six had the most impact on you yeah definitely um yeah that was my first introduction to jason and um and my first real introduction to friday the 13th you know i watched part one like i said but kind of was a little bit confused and and younger so that was the first one that really soaked in okay um that's yeah part six is a big uh it's a big favorite over here at high on horror uh we, we love that movie it's it's definitely the best if not one of the very best in the entire series um uh moving on to vengeance um was the whole movie filmed in seattle um no actually uh, the majority of it was filmed a little bit north of seattle in woodenville but we did film some in florida as well um steve dash um, <clears throat> who was Jason in part two, of course, he played our sheriff, Jason Rolotti in vengeance and his health didn't allow him to travel. So we moved a, a small skeleton crew down there. Um, Steve had to stay in his house with him for several days while we filmed his parts, uh, locally in Florida. Okay. Okay. So, so some of it was filmed in Florida. Okay. Um, well, you had a hand in pretty much everything in this movie, you know, uh, props, wardrobe, you name it. Um, how busy were you, dude, like juggling all of that and playing Jason and the town drunk? Like you had to be busy as shit. Oh, I was so busy. I mean, I had some some good help um, at the time, but it was it was nonstop, day and night, living, breathing, sleeping, um, working on it. So it was it was a lot of work. Yeah, I believe it. Like I said, you know, uh, I was I rewatched it again today, and uh, me and my wife were watching the credits roll, and my wife goes, "Damn, he's his name's on everything," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, that's <laughs> Eddie played Jason, so I imagine he was busy as shit. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, um, uh, so for a fan film, this has a massive cast. I mean, it, it, the ca- the cast is massive. There is a lot of people in this film for a for a fan film, uh, and, and and the acting's impressive. So I, I wanted to ask you, like, was there an auditioning process, or were like were some of those people like friends and family? Because like it was a big cast, and for like a, a smaller movie, you guys killed it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, there was an audition process um, for for many of the roles, some of the lead roles. Um, but also being a fan film, we had a lot of fans who had um, participated in the Kickstarter that got to have roles in the film. So several of the people in there are, are just fans themselves. Um, there's a couple of friends, but for the most part, they're they're actors or or fans. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's good to know. Like I said, because uh, the acting actually stood out to me. And I'm like, damn, for a, such a big cast, everybody's really killing it. And you don't see that sometimes you get an indie movie with like six or seven or eight cast members and they fucking suck. And yeah. I was, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so, you know, good job and kudos, you know, to everybody who worked on that film. Um, and also, um, uh, Tom McLaughlin, uh, he was in the opening scene. 
and you're not in the opening sequence. So did you get to work with Tom at all, like before on like on set or you know after his scenes, before or after? Yeah, I was there uh, while filming. Almost, I mean, I was there every day while filming and helped behind the scenes as well. I designed the the wardrobe for CJ um, and got the wardrobe together with uh, with Tom. So, I mean, that whole opening scene, I was running props. Um, I put the, the headstones in there, um, was helping to run the fog, like anything that needed to be done, I was running around doing it. So I definitely got to work with them, um, just not in scene um, in any capacity. So it definitely behind the scenes quite a bit. So that was, that was quite, quite awesome. All right. Great. Uh, yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. Cause uh, that was my one thing in the movie. I was, I was like, damn, Jason wasn't in the scene with Tom. <laughs> so that's good that, you know, you got to, you know, be on scene with him, you know, like behind the scenes and all that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about the kills. I know uh, you had a, you, you know, you co-wrote the, the, the film and I wanted to ask you about some of the kills. Um, like the sleeping bag kill is obviously a homage. So was that something that you guys had in mind? Like let's pay homages to the other films, but come up with some creative kills as well. And not just completely like lend off of the old films and do something like new with, uh, you know, like the, the windshield, for example, where you, you know, the, the chick gets her head cut off with the, uh, window of her car or the, the scene with all the convicts, like, you know, um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Thank you. So, I mean, Jeremy Brown, the director, he had the, the sleeping bag or the tent kill in mind from the very beginning. So that was something. And actually when I was auditioning, he pitched that to me and had said, you know, one of the kills is the sleeping bag is, uh, but we're going to take it up a notch. And how do you take it up a notch? You slam an entire tent against a tree. So uh, with two people in it. So we did that and I was pretty excited and stoked to, to be able to do that one. Um, and then the rest of kills were just a combination. So like the one you mentioned with the window, that was kind of a last minute decision. The two, the two ladies in there, uh, toy and Reagan, they were awesome, awesome people. Um, both fans who had uh, paid to be in there or had won a contest and we were on site and it was kind of like, well, how do we, how do we kill them in the, in this car? So I I said, why don't we just, I'll smash her head in the engine and let the, the fan blade tear it up. And, and the other one, I was like, do we, do we have a severed head somewhere? And we had one that somewhat resembled her and we had a wig that looked right. So I said, let's just, I'll cut her head off in the window. She'll kind of look out and, and do that. So it was kind of made up on the spot and pulled it off and it turned out pretty good. It did turn out good. The thing that I think works about it is how quick it is. It's just like such a snap that it's like, oh, you know, like it's yeah. just like such a quick kill. It's brutal. Um, well, speaking of the kills, actually, um, in one of the scenes, Jason, I counted uh, today earlier when I rewatched the film, uh, you hit somebody, uh, one of the victims in the face 11 times with an axe. Um, what's your favorite kill scene in the entire film? Um, it's the, it would be the, uh, the Heather kill, which, might be the one you're referencing with the pickaxe where I, yeah. I grab her by yep. the neck and slam her to the ground and then hit her. Yeah. Cause she was pretending to be Jason's mom, you know? And, and that was the one thing is we agreed that Jason is, is quick. He's brutal. He'll just do his kill and move on. He doesn't linger. Um, he never does. He doesn't, it's not like he enjoys it and tries to savor it. You know, he just does it brutally and moves on. Um, and I said, that's the one I want to have, different he's he's messing with his mom again he's you know with the performance is kind of like remembering he's got the pickaxe in his hand and everything and remembering that moment like i was fooled once not gonna be fooled again and so then i want him to really really be pissed off so that's why we did that and and jules who was a stunt girl for um jules valenti she was a stunt girl for that part we we 
practiced that several times and we did that whole grab her by the neck and um, or it looks like a grab her by the neck and slam her to the ground. That's real ground, no pads. Um, we did that safely and everything. And it looked, I just, I just love that, the, the violence of that. And then the, that pickaxe going down and slamming down and it just kind of in the moment, I just kept going until it felt right, <laughs> you know, and I broke the, the head of the pickaxe. I broke the head of it. it. It broke off while doing it. And, um, and things started getting away. And, um, so anyway, I just kind of went with it and it came out pretty cool and I just love it. And it was also my birthday, um, that day and CJ Graham came out, surprised me. He came out a day early, surprised me for my birthday and hung out and he got to stand there and, and watch me perform. So it was a little bit nerve wracking to be performing as Jason in front of one of your, you know, Jason legends watching. So, uh, it all kind of, um, came together and, and became my favorite kill. Yeah, that's that's my favorite kill as well. That's uh, like you said, you can tell there's a little bit more. It's, it's like Jace is not just killing in that scene. He's he's pissed. There's a lot of emotion behind that kill, and that's really cool to know that you didn't like plan that. That that was something that just kind of happened. That's really cool because it worked out really fucking well. Yeah. Um. Well. Um. Okay. Uh. Well. What do you, what did you bring to the role of Jason to make him your own? Like, how is the role special to you now that you've donned the mask? Well, so it's it's a. Uh... It's funny. So before when I was had, when I got the role and I was, uh, after I had auditioned and got it, I spent so much time researching every other actor. I watched all the movies again. I started watching behind the scenes. I tried to get into the head of Kane and CJ and Ted white and, and, um, Steve and everyone. Cause I wanted to know like, what would they do in this situation? How do they, what's their approach to the role? And I talked about that in a few interviews. And when I was staying with Steve dash at his house, um, on the second or third night, he, he called me over to the couch and he was like, Hey, come here a second. I want to talk to you. And he dropped his tough guy persona his moment. And I thought, you know, like, we am I in trouble? Cause Steve's calling me to talk to me, but sat down and he said, you know, you, you've talked about, um, watching us and, and studying all of us, Jason's and, and paying respect and all that and, and how to perform as Jason. And he says, I've seen you, I've seen your work. I've seen you be Jason and you've got it. He says, you're, you, you big son of a bitch. You have the, what it takes. You move right. You do it. And he says, but can I give you one piece of advice? I was like, yes, please. Like, how could I not take, you know, for the first adult Jason, how can I not take that? And, and he said, just be yourself, be your own Jason. Don't, don't be me. Don't be CJ. Don't be Kane. Don't be Ted. Don't be Richard. Anything. Be yourself. He says, do you think that, um, Ted or Richard looked to me for their performance? Do you think CJ looked to them for his performance? Do you think Kane looked to CJ and tried to copy him? No, they all did their own thing. And that's what makes them all um, loved and loved by the fans. And that's what makes them special. So be your own Jason. And, um, and he says, and then, uh, and you'll, you know, do, you'll do well, you'll pull it off. And so that really sat with me. And so I remember being back on set for the first day in costume and having those words go through my mind and just, be your own Jason, be your own Jason. Don't be, you know, don't try to mimic anyone else. And what came out was just a culmination of all the different Jasons that I had been studying. And it was kind of like my favorite parts. It just started naturally coming out. And so I constantly get feedback and, um, and input from others that say, Oh, I love it. You got this, this Ted white stance or this moment. And, but you got this Kane Hodder move and you walk like CJ and you have, and so it's a smash up of all the different, jason's that was kind of unintentional but just kind of what came out of me just letting it all go so 
Uh, when we talked to CJ, he uh, that was one of the things he said about you was that you did a great job incorporating all 40 years of the different Jasons. I mean, that has to be a great compliment considering it's coming from one of the best to ever play Jason. Oh, yeah. I mean, CJ is amazing. He's been an incredible mentor to me as well. Um, the first convention I went to go to for a signing, he called me up and talked to me for an hour before. He's like, hey, I just want to teach you everything I learned in the last 30 years so you don't have to learn it. And he walked through and I made a list of all the things. He said, go get this, get that, get that, act this way, talk this way. If someone comes up, says this, do this, get this kind of banner, this kind of picture, this kind of machete. You know, like he just really took me under his wing and just stays in touch all the time and, and make sure that I'm on the right track and doing well and and things are, are great. So he's he's been an amazing um, mentor and, and, uh, and friend this whole time. So I appreciate him more than, uh, more than words. And, uh, how was it working with him now that he's playing, uh, Elias Papa Voorhees and, uh, you guys were kind of father and son. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the first, the first movie was a little bit intimidating because there's one of your icons, right? It's somebody that you've always looked up to for many years. And it's like, that keeps hitting you like, Oh, uh, CJ. Oh my God, the CJ. And, um, but as the time went on, just, he's very down to earth and, and kind, um, and funny. Like he likes to play practical jokes. And so, um, it kind of became that. And same thing on this second round, we're, we're more friends now. And so I'm um, having talked and been to, you know, conventions together, been to appearances and hanging out and he flew out and, and visited. Um, so it was a lot more relaxed this time and, uh, for vengeance too. And there's a lot more screen time as well, but we've got a very, very good relationship, very good working relationship. And I think a really good understanding of each other, um, a good understanding of each other's size, uh, power, um, as we're talking, um, like some of the physical stunts and physical actions, um, we really just connected a lot on, on how we should be playing our parts. And so it became, I think our director of photography, Cody Newton, who is, phenomenal um kind of mentioned it's, it's like a dance you know and and here we have these two six foot five six foot four six foot five 250 pound men dancing you know in this choreography um of all this stuff so it's it's just really cool i mean i have to pinch myself sometimes that um this is all really happening so and uh you had mentioned uh going to steve dash's house uh were you able to interact with him much on set Oh yeah. Um, for that particular time, um, it was just myself, um, Jules, who was one of the actresses who played the female cop and, uh, Dustin, our director of photography. So I, I was there to, um, direct and to, um, do set dressing to take care of whatever needed to be done. Um, just because it was a small crew that we could afford, barely afford to send out there. So I, I directed him. I, um, worked with them, worked with the dialogue. I, and in the scene where um, you see Elias coming up behind Steve, that's actually me in the Elias costume because we couldn't have CJ out there. We couldn't fly him out. He wasn't available. So I, uh, I was CJ for a few scenes. And uh, you said that uh, Steve, Steve Dash's advice was uh, be yourself. Was there any other advice he gave you for uh, playing Jason? For playing Jason? Yeah. Um, his advice was, um, like he sees playing Jason very differently than, than everyone else. Like everyone else, he was the first one. <clears throat> and I remember talking to him, uh, about this at dinner one night. Um, he's, he's like, you know, you, you just put the fucking mask on and you just fucking walk. 
That's all you got to do. Just put the fucking mask on and walk. It's no big deal. Just do it. You know? And, and I said, yeah, um, that that's true. However, you can tell like this, you set a standard and, um, you know, being the first adult Jason, you never had to follow in anyone else's footsteps or shoes in being Jason. Everyone who came after you has some sort of, um, expectation to meet. And if you don't do it right, they're comparing it to the prior Jasons before them. So, uh, I said, so you were lucky enough to be the first one where no one's going to judge you against any prior performance. And, and so for you, you can go ahead and just put the fucking mask on and just fucking walk. And then he just kind of looked at me. He's like, how come no one's ever fucking said that to me before? <laughs> that's, he's like, that's so true. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, that was his advice was just put the mask on and walk and don't think anything of it. It's not a big deal, but, um, but I know anyone who has ever played Jason or watched a Jason movie, I think that they understand and know it's not just about putting a mask on and walking. Um, you can, you can mess that up pretty easily. And uh, with the prior performances, uh, did you feel any pressure stepping into the role of Jason to kind of honor those who came before you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was talking to Jeremy Brown, the director uh, one day and, and he was like, so what do you think of all this? You know, it's exciting or whatever. And I said, you know, it's a lot of pressure. I said, everyone on here who's an actor, you know, has a responsibility to do the best job they can, but if they suck, it's okay. But if I suck, I ruin the entire film. Like if my performance is bad, if people don't like me, they don't like the entire thing. There's not going to be anyone else's performance. That's going to save this where people are going to say, Oh, that Friday, the 13th Avengers movie was great. Except for the Jason that sucked, you know, it's going to be Jason sucks. The movie sucks. So I said, there's a lot of pressure. That's true. And, uh, not including any kills from vengeance. Uh, what is your favorite kill in the entire Friday, the 13th series? Oh, um, it's the, it's the Jason X, um, liquid nitrogen kill. I love that one. Fat smashing the face after the, yeah, that one's pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's hard. There's so many, so many good ones. That's a good one. I, I think my favorite is where uh, CJ folds up uh, Sheriff Garris. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And uh, I understand there's going to be a sequel to uh, Vengeance. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So <clears throat> we just finished our principal photography um, shooting on the film. So I'm still recovering from sleep and, and working nonstop. But it's <clears throat> it picks up shortly after... Um, the events of vengeance and it brings back uh, a lot of the original cast who have survived um which wasn't very many but uh, we do have kelly and and sanaya back um both amazing um actresses and uh even better since since filming on vengeance but kelly had played angelica jarvis sanaya playing uh ashley jarvis we have cj back as elias tom mclaughlin back as a gravekeeper both in bigger roles this time and we also have several other um, well-known horror icons who who come on board um, as well, who heard about the movie, liked the movie, uh, who have met along the way, and and now are part of it. Like uh, we have, um, you know, Rob Mello, Paul Taylor, um, Tamara Glenn, Darcy DeMoss, um, and uh, oh, my mind's going blank. We have so many others. Ruby, Ruby, CJ's wife is in this. She was supposed to be in the last one, but her footage that was caught, um, wasn't, wasn't usable, um, for a couple of reasons. So luckily 
we could bring her back for a, a better role in this one. Um, we have Richie Ramone from the Ramones. He's he uh, he's in it as well. It's just, it's just pretty cool uh, how uh, this has come together. And uh, now you're uh, writing and directing it as, in addition to playing Jason. How does it feel to have total creative control? Um, there's good and bad. Obviously, if it's bad, it's all my fault, right? But um, but I did come up to the uh, point where we had some some cast changes and some different storyline changes and some things. So I had a, um, an, a woman named Kim Terrison, who was our AD. She was also a writer. And so I had called on her to help me rewrite some of the items because I was so busy working some other things. So she did um, contribute quite a bit to the storyline as well um, and, and help put some things in there. Um, as we had to rewrite some of the parts before filming and we had to be pretty quick about it. And, and so, um, luckily she was available to help do that. So I can't take full creative control. Um, but being on set and having that, um, knowing the story really well and being able to do that, it's really cool to kind of see everything come together that you've been working on. And then having someone like Cody Newton, who is an amazing director of photography, who is his specialty is action in action films, um, having his eye on it and his recommendations and input is just invaluable. Um, and just having so many professionals who know what they're doing, it's, it was just a, a blessing to be there. And it's, it's awesome to kind of watch everything come together and all these brilliant minds come together to make this happen. So, uh, did Tom McLaughlin give you any advice for directing? No. Um, he really, he asked me for um, advice on his character, the backstory, um, throughout this, he was very, um, I don't want to say respectful. Like he was just respectful of me being the director and he acted as though he was an actor and I was a director and, and he didn't want to step on any toes and never did. And, but he did offer, um, some advice or not advice. He offered later on, he said, Hey, when things cool down, if you want to talk, uh, if you do want any feedback, I'd love to talk to you and everything like that. So I'm looking forward to to that but he's always been there if i did have questions he was he'd always answer him but um he is such a humble sweet amazing man um it's just he is one of everyone's favorites on set like he was just genuinely sweet to everyone and i keep hearing stories from different actors and and just crew members who um you'll never see on screen who came up and they said i'm just doing this thing for the crew on the side and he just he said things to me that I feel like changed my life, my, my life path. And you just, you just really humble and, and amazing. That's good to hear. And, uh, uh, do you see things differently now that you're behind the camera instead of just being in front of it? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely there's a massive learning curve and there's a lot to learn when you are making it, um, end to end. Um, a lot of things behind the scenes that you don't realize happen, um, especially when you're working with SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes there. Um, there's, I was quite a bit a part of almost everything with Vengeance the first time around. I just am like that. I get my hands into all the different parts. So I had a lot of visibility, if, if not um, responsibility in a lot of that prior. But this time, if if it I don't do it, then it doesn't get done. You're right. So it's um, definitely you have to find someone you rely on or trust and to have it done or, um, or do it yourself. So, and uh, we definitely appreciate you joining us today. And uh, 
where, where can people find you online and uh, more information about uh, Vengeance? Yeah, so you can find um, F13 Vengeance fan page on Facebook. There's uh, F13 Vengeance on um, Instagram. You can find me at the Jason Brooks official on Instagram and TikTok uh, everywhere. We have Vengeance 2 information is also on these platforms. We also have Roseblood, which we didn't um, get time to talk about, but that's another um, Friday the 13th fan film that's based after part seven. The new trailer just launched uh, yesterday, a day before yesterday. Awesome. It's amazing. It's got Laura Park, Lincoln, Terry, Kaiser, um, Kevin Spiritus, um, all these people returning from part seven. And the Indiegogo just went live today as well. So if you want to check that out, um, there's some a lot of the same cast and crew is a part of, of that project as well. So you can follow us there and um, and just check out all the, the projects we're doing. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us again today, and we definitely look forward to uh, seeing the sequel. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. All right, have a good night. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thank you again to Jason Brooks for joining us today, and I'm excited to see what Jason has in store for Jason. It's weird to say it that way, but uh, I am interested to see what he has in store in Vengeance Bloodlines. The first one was an absolute treat, and I'm always down to see more Friday the 13th. I mean, speaking of Friday the 13th, join us next week when we talk with Tom Matthews. We're going to talk The Return of the Living Dead, and I'm going to use it as an excuse to talk some more about Jason Lives. Make sure to tune in to Slasher Flesh and Blood this Thursday, exclusively on Shudder. And you can find us online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at High on Horror 420. And you can always reach us via email at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. That'll about wrap her up. Catch us later. Bye, everybody.